As you very well know, the first words in the Bible are, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There was a time when everyone accepted this and believed it, and uh, they just took it for granted and say, of course, we know that. It's evident uh, that uh, God created the heavens and the earth. Look at the design. Uh, it's very obvious. But we are growing up in a different time now when uh, many people don't believe that this is an option and they don't, don't think that's true at all. But the question is, what do you believe? What do I believe? What do we believe? And it seems uh, that there are few and few people taking time to really consider the uh, important questions in life, the bigger questions of life. We live in a time of, of, of busyness where people are multitasking and where we jump from one thing to another and uh, where we don't really sit down a quiet and quiet and really think through uh, these things and really think through, is there a purpose to my life? So think right now. You are standing on a giant ball that is two-thirds water that is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And so just think about that for a minute. And then think and then there's this other big ball of fire that is ninety-three million miles away. That's 148 million kilometers. And somehow it never burns up, and this is what's keeping us warm. And as we're flying around this ball of fire, try to imagine what is the point of me? Am I just an accident? Because we're taught today that many, of us, many people believe that we're just accidents. So where does it come from? Where does it all come from? Wikipedia says this. It says that the formation of our solar system began 4.6 billion years ago with a gravitational collapse of a small part of a giant molecular cloud most of the collapsing mass collected in the center, forming the sun, while the rest flattened into a protoplanetary disk out of which the planets, moons, asteroids, and other small solar system bodies formed. So is that it? Is that the whole story? That somehow there was this molecular cloud that was always there and somehow it exploded into our solar system and as you see it, and that's the end of the story? Or is there something greater? Maybe this, was, maybe this wasn't an accident after all. Maybe you weren't an accident. Maybe I was an accident. In fact, the Bible says the opposite the exact opposite, that there are no accidents. God says in, about his creation in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, ever since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities and his divine nature has been clearly seen so that man, men are without excuse. God said, listen, you can look at creation and you would see him. 
somehow you recognize that there's something behind all of this. There's someone behind all of this. And you can see his invisible qualities and his divine nature. I heard this uh, illustration. So imagine you're a, a, a arrive on this planet in a spaceship. You're dressed in all your gear and that. And this is a desolate planet. No growth, no nothing. And, and as far as you can see, it's desolate and barren. And far off in the distance, you see a building. And so you make your way to this building. It's a house. And so you go inside this house and you find fresh, clean air. So you're able to take off your suit. And lo and behold, there's a tap that comes out fresh, clean water. And, and, and lo and behold, there's a fridge. And you open the fridge and there's food there in it. So you see, that house is our planet. It's as if God had prepared it. As, it's as if this planet was prepared for our existence, for our coming into it. And I find that so amazing. You know, we have uh, the, the frequency of light from the sun matches exactly what our eyes need to see. Isn't that incredible? And the, and the food we eat is exactly uh, synchronized with what our body needs. It was all there prepared for us. And, and, and so it was no accident. It's prepared by, by the glorious hand of God. I've been listening to a series on the worst objections to Christianity, the 10 worst objections to Christianity. And um, when I go to the gym, I like to see these videos on that because it takes my mind off the pain and agony of what I'm doing. And I need to be distracted. And uh, so this guy talking about the worst evidence, of worst objection, uh, objection to Christianity is that there's no evidence for God. There's no evidence for God. And that this is the worst objection because there's an abundance of evidence. And in Psalm 19 it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaim his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and the word, their words to the end of the world. So God says the heavens declare his glory. You look at the stars, you study the stars, and you would see that the creator who made all of this is glorious. He is beyond us. You know, you and I are not the center of the universe. It doesn't revolve around us. But there is someone different. And in the Bible, when the Bible describes this being, it wasn't just another version of us. God is not just another version of, he's not a bigger version of us, but the people, people who interacted with him said he calls himself holy. Now holy means set apart, entirely different, completely different to us. He's a completely different being 
to us. He's holy. He's set apart. He's different. And so much so that when Moses said, can I see your face? God said, no man can see my face and live. He said, I'm the being who created the heavens and this little planet that you live on and you yourself right now, you can't see me. And Paul describes this in Timothy and 1 Timothy say, God dwells in unapproachable light. So there's a being who dwells in unapproachable light and I can't even look on his face because I would just die. That's how far beyond us he is. In fact, when Isaiah got to see some sort of glimpse of him, he said that there were these high angels who are covering themselves. They cover their body. And they cover his face, these high angels, and they are screaming out, holy, holy, holy. That is, they were screaming out how different, how amazing he is. You and I are not alone. It didn't happen by accident. It's this glorious being who's far beyond us and far greater than us. You know, you may, you know, scientists have tried, been trying to find a theory that explains everything. In fact, there's a movie which has involved Stephen Hawking. I don't know if you know him, but he's been a very famous scientist who's dead now, an atheist scientist. And there was a movie about him that uh, was called The Theory of Everything. And uh, the scientists are coming up with a theory of everything that explains the universe and explains everything and fits into a nice, nice package. Well, if only they read the Bible. If only we believe the Bible. We come to our verse for this day that's on front of your bulletin. <clears throat> Acts 17, 24 to 27. <coughs> and I find this an amazing scripture. I must admit, when I read it and contemplated on it, I did break down in tears. It's such an amazing thing. The God who made the world and everything in it being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by hand, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted, period, allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. Now I know the version that you've got written on your bulletin is a slightly different than I've got here, but I actually prefer this version. I think if this version was good enough for the Apostle Paul, it's good enough for me. So this is the theory of everything. This is encompass all. The God who made everything, being Lord of heaven and earth, and made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth. So the Bible says the God who made us doesn't need us to do anything for him. In fact, he is the one 
He gives us life and bread and everything. But what he does say here is that you are not an accident. I'm not an accident. In fact, from what I get from this uh, scripture, God determined exactly where we would be, where we would be born, and where, when we would be born, and where we would be born. And he would orchestrate the situations and circumstances of our life so that may, we may feel our way towards him and find him, though he is not far from each of us. So, God, so, so this, this scripture includes everyone, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth. So I'm here, you're here. According to the truth of this verse, God is the creator, maker of all. Secondly, he doesn't need anything from us. He doesn't need us to do anything for him, but that he determined our allotted periods and the boundaries of our dwelling place. And so he determined when we were to be born and where we should be born. And the reason for that is that we would seek him and perhaps feel our way toward him and find him. So the reason you are here right now, the reason I'm here today, is that God orchestrated it. That there is incredible, glorious being of heaven He's far beyond us. We can't even approach him because we would just die. He's an unapproachable light. But he uh, has orchestrated things within our lives that we might feel our way to him and actually find him. Yet he is not far from all of us. So perhaps today is another step of our feeling our way toward him and finding the creator in all of this. Acts 17, I just want to read it one more time. I don't, and then I want to finish. I don't want to go further than that today. But listen to these wonderful words and take it into your heart. This is one of the reasons actually I like to be able to speak is because I've got to get a hold of it myself. And, 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 and as I think about it and speak about it, I want it to get into my heart and my spirit and become a part of my being. And, and so this God is so great, we should be prepared to give up everything to follow him. That uh, nothing else matters. This is the greatest being in all of the universe, and we should be prepared to just to give up everything to follow him and allow him to be our Lord and God. The God, Acts 17, the God who made the world and everything in it, you and I, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Our lives should just revolve around him. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined 
allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him, find him. It is actually not far from each one of us. Let's just pray. Glorious Father, how wonderful you are. You're beyond our understanding and comprehension. You're far greater and glorious. You are an unapproachable light. And yet, Father, you've reached to our, down to us by your wonderful hand that we may feel our way towards you and find you. And actually, you're not far from any one of us. What a wonderful thing, oh God, uh, that, that, uh, you, that, that you yourself even came from heaven to this earth in the form of a human being in Jesus Christ and that you pursued us and rescued us and sought after us. Father, we're so thankful and we bless you. Father, just help us to realize the glory and the wonder that you are, that you, we owe you our lives and, you, and everything that you give us life and breath in everything. So, Father, we just bless you and praise your glorious name in Jesus Christ. Amen.